This is the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Podcast series. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital. Alrighty. Thank you so much to the folks out at Bermudez, the makers of Cricks, your vital supply. Thank you so much, Bermudez. All right, pick up your Cricks. Everywhere. Thank God it's everywhere. Cricks and what have you. Recording in progress. Thank God it's Dorothy, you can even get cricks. We'll put it into a hard drive. Alright. So thank you so much, wonderful folks out at Bermudez. It is 17 minutes after the RS of seven o'clock quickly before we get into our guest. Traffic-wise, heavy on the creek, Riverlet Road, Coover towards Edinburgh. And then Monroe Road towards the Churchill Roosevelt Highway. After that, it's every, every which way. All right. All right. And that's pretty much it. So let's uh, get the results of our morning poll. I just have one more vote for you, Richie Rich. And it is a no from Ron. Thank you so much, Ron. Should we give the results of our poll right now? Well, of course, our poll this morning was, do you think it's time to lift all COVID restrictions in Trinidad and Tobago as Jamaica has done? We had 22 people voting in the allotted time. Of the 22, 16 of you said, no, you do not think it's time to lift all COVID restrictions in TNT. Six of you said, yes, it's about time. Release me, release me from bondage. They didn't exactly say that, but I'm paraphrasing. Um, of course, you can continue to vote on this poll throughout the day, through all programming, and we'll give you the final results on Monday morning when we are back with you since it's the weekend and the weekend has begun. But before we move on, of course, we have our guest this morning, Rishi Miraj, political analyst who's going to weigh in on the Bucknall in terms of Bucknall. to call it a Bucknall. It's not really, it's something the Prime Minister can do from time to time, but a little unexpected. And of course, we discussed it yesterday. So I'll hand you over to Paul, who will introduce our guest formally. Well, you can introduce the guest formally. Yeah, I just felt like being professional. Try to pretend oh, you're the BBC now. Try to I pretend. Understand. Good morning, everyone. It's uh, Friday, 18th March, 7:19. This is the Power Breakfast Run Power to Digital. Being the only professional one here, I'll introduce our guest, political analyst, Richie Maharaj. Good morning, Richie. Thank you for joining us this morning. Good morning, guys. How are you guys going? Good, good. How are you going? Ah, good. Waking up early in the morning. Yeah, it's good. You're loving it. You love waking up early, Richie. I have a dog who wakes me up very early in the morning, so yeah. That happens. You don't have a lot of love for that dog when he wakes you up. I can see it in your face. Right now, she's... Happily, Superman down on the floor and jo- listening to the interview. There you go. <laughs> okay. Well, so this the- past week probably has been the, the, the kind of week that political analysts wait for. <laughs> they live for. <laughs> because, I mean, past election coverage or leading up to election coverage or budget coverage, I mean, a cabinet reshuffle and a cabinet reshuffle involving the reassignment of an attorney general to a significantly lower post and i make no apology for saying that because i think it's a a much lower post than he had before is very politically significant it's seismic actually your opening thoughts 
I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, the cabinet, if you look at our constitution, the cabinet consists of the prime minister, the attorney general, and then anybody else who comes after that. So the two key offices of any cabinet is the prime minister and the attorney general. Once you have those two office holders existing, you have an existing cabinet and decisions can be made. Let's just go back quickly to the coup when that happened and you had then acting prime minister Winston Dukran, I think Mr. Smart who would have escaped from the, he was then AG, but have came out of the parliament and, you know, just those two alone constitute the parliament. So the AG has a very important role in, in terms of our government system, in terms of our governance system. So moving an AG is not a, something that is done bikey bike. It is not something that is done, you wake up in the morning and decide, listen, I want a new AG. It's something that is seriously thought of in decisions of appointing and removing. I agree, it is a demotion. Um, any lawyer, especially a senior attorney who's worth their salt and get into the politics, the, the most you know, loftiest office they would like to get, get to, besides being prime minister, of course, would be the attorney general. You're the titular head of the bar. You, you are the legal advisor to government and, and, and you sit in a very high office of power. So yeah, something like this happening is, is, is very interesting. It's, it's very seismic in terms of what was done. AG has been in office for close to six years. So yeah, I, I really think that it's, it's really interesting development that's happening right now in the politics. Yeah. Well, why you, what do you think accounted for the fact that uh, the prime minister, um, be, beyond the demotion, uh, as we're calling it this morning, what do you think accounted that he didn't pull the AG from the other attorneys within the members of parliament? Because you have Keith Scotland, um, right. well, Stuart Young is already so stretched anyway, but certainly you have Keith Scotland, who is um, a senior attorney. He's not a senior counsel, but he's certainly a senior attorney. Um, um, is it purely about relationship? And, and 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 who the prime minister feels more comfortable with in that position? Is it purely about that? Well, I think the, the first thing you, you mentioned is that he didn't call somebody from within the current administration, who's currently in well, well, attorneys within his current in the administration. And for me, that's significant because you don't just pick up the phone one morning and, and say, Mr. Amor, senior counsel, I want you to be the attorney general and he'll just say yes and he'll come on board next morning i mean individuals like that uh, their work schedule is, is already packed to the brim he practices both here and up the eastern caribbean so it's not a decision you make early in the morning and say listen i want you to be my attorney general would you take it and he says yes and he swears in the next morning so for me that lends me to think or assume that there has been some level of discussion taking place in the back end that we were not aware of or people were not privy to or it was not being leaked out, in which discussions were being held with certain senior people uh, to be the attorney general. He, looked, he probably obviously was looking for somebody senior, somebody who has, not say Mr. Barry doesn't have seniority, doesn't have understanding law, but again, for the attorney general, it needs to be somebody that you can trust, somebody that you feel will guide you along the line. And, and we've seen over the last six years, there's been a lot of questions possible missteps by the attorney general former in terms of issues that were taken. The biggest one, I guess, we were seeing would, would have been with the police commissioner and the legal order that was struck down by the court and all those different scenarios. So for me, this sense that this is a something that was taken a while to happen. And the prime minister was looking for the exact person he can get on board to become attorney general. 
and he probably allowed Mr. Moore enough time to be able to get his house in order in terms of his practice and what he had going on to ensure that whatever commitments he had to clients outside, they were handled properly. And then when the time was right and he was able to, the announcement was made. So this wasn't for me an overnight decision by the Prime Minister. But well, uh, had what, are the implications, behind it. what are the implications yeah. for the administration itself? Because it is clearly some level of loss of confidence in the former Attorney General and, and the Prime mm-hmm. Minister's uh, thinking on his ability to, one, provide some sort of stability and sound legal advice to the cabinet and the, and the government at large, because that's a significant uh, uh, nexus for the government's operation. And two, Dr. Rowley's administration in what are particularly turbulent times, having to face about three or four major crises, including the pandemic, in the last two years and in particular the last three months. Yeah, I think it, it says a lot that possibly the Prime Minister is now taking this opportunity to probably press the reset button. You know, acknowledging that, listen, we've been through some tumultuous time. He probably wants to reset because we have certain things on the horizon. The country is coming out of a pandemic. One, you have internal elections in the PNM happening very soon, in which it seems that the Prime Minister will be again putting himself up for leadership. You have local government elections on the horizon at the end of this year to early next year. For me, local government sets a good base of exactly where you are at a ground level to see exactly where the populations are for you. So that creates a good base. And then obviously that and building on the heavy defeat you suffered in Tobago. You know, you have general elections to come and, and those those times will fly. So for me, I think the prime minister, it's a it's a reset button for him. It's sort of he's trying to reset, probably put, put a particular person in terms of the AG in place somebody he can trust, somebody who thinks will give him sound advice and somebody that, you know, will be able to guide them in terms of their policy decision making with regards to certain legal things that they have to get done. Reset national conversation too? Maybe reset national conversation. We will see. But, you know, I hear you. I hear you, Rishi. And of course, course, and that's the surface, the logical explanation in terms of our prime minister would remove an AG. But how much of it, because you have all kinds of speculations that take place in 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 Trinidad to be go underground and of course in media you, you know nobody speculates more than the media and what's really going on because the media is always trying to pry behind that veil to see why exactly did you do x y and z which i assume is what political analysts are also looking at um could part of it be the jockeying for positions within the cabinet in terms of the power structure and the hierarchy of the pnm in terms of who eventually takes leadership of the People's National Movement when Dr. Rowley exits. Obviously, Faris al-Rawi has been positioning himself in a particular way. So has Stuart Young, in terms of people who are you are seeing who are, are trying to maneuver into those positions of power as close um, to the, successive, the successor line. Uh, um, of course, you have the obvious heir apparent, um, Colm Imber, who, is, of course, is the only person that acts as prime minister when Dr. Rowley is not there. Um, but you would have a lot of discussions, I'm, taking, I'm thinking, taking place behind the scenes of who is going to be that successor and, and who can lead the party to a victory in which seems to be consistently a tight race. Could that be part of it, too, in terms of some maneuvering by certain operatives 
at the hierarchy to basically give Faris al Rabi his comeuppance and say, look, you're getting too close. I don't fancy here and has been whispering in the prime minister's ear, look, uh, you, you need to demote him. Can I, can that, I just add one is, thing? Is that a possible scenario? Can I add one thing? Can I take it one step further in terms of conspiracy theories? Uh, is it, and it's the same kind of line of thought, but it's a little more acute. Is it to make important a possible palace coup? Maybe. We, you, you never know. I mean, at the end, the politicians are very fragile individuals from my interaction with them. They're very fickle. They, they, they're always looking behind their back. They are always looking for people who may try to, you know, to, to usurp their power, usurp their authority, more so when it comes to leaders or people who have aspirations of leadership within parties who feel that if, you know, it's person X or person Y becomes leader, then their position of power or prominence in the party internally or within the, the government is going to be lessened. So there's always maneuvering, there's always jockeying. For position is always jockeying for for different people you know power plays taking place it's it's, it's like a, a shakespearean play in, in most political parties in terms of that jockeying for power and position so that's just part of the, the play i wouldn't doubt that it has certain internal political implications within the pnm because like i said we have an internal election coming up and i'm sure in those internal elections they're going to be jockeying for position even if the prime minister you know, Dr. Rowley goes back up again and assumes the mantle of, of leader of the PNM. Eventually, his time in office will have to go, and eventually somebody will have to take over the reins. So obviously, internally, they're, they're going to be looking for positions to jockey for power, if not during this internal election cycle, in time to come, when eventually you're going to have to have that discussion of succession of leadership, who's going to take place, and then that position of power, because power is very unique, and power is something that people strive for and influence within internally in, in, in parties and also in government. How, how much of it do, do you, and, and this is a question for you in terms of your perception. My perception is since 2015, you started the administration seeing the Prime Minister with the Attorney General making several public appearances together, press conferences together. And it seemed to me that there had been some sort of drift as time went on, particularly in the past two years during the pandemic, would you agree that there seemed to be, and I have no proof of this, this is just to me optics I'm, I'm re mm -hmm. responding to, my own interpretation of optics, that there, there was not as close a bond uh, professionally, and, and, and they're both professionals in their own right, mm -hmm. so, and they're part of a cabinet run by the prime minister. But in terms of optics, there seemed not to be that symbiosis as, as they would have been in 2015. Would you agree or disagree with that? I think when a Prime Minister appoints the Attorney General, again, because of the prominence of the Attorney General, there has to be a close working relationship between the Prime Minister and the Attorney General. I, I take this from my, my experience in, in being in politics and being in government for, for a number of years, working with senior ministers like, like Dr. Sait and, and, and different people, that there is, there is that close relationship or there should be that close relationship between the Prime Minister and his age is normally the first person or the first position announced once you assume political office that who is going to be the attorney general. So there needs to be that close relationship. If it is eventually over time, and these things don't happen overnight, it happens over time, as you mentioned, from an optics point of view, you know, that that you know separation of, of, of both the age and, and the and the prime minister, I wouldn't doubt it. Again, this is just perception and gesture, but obviously it at least shows now 
that there has been a loss in confidence in one way or another of the prime minister of his former attorney general. And because of that, he wanted to put somebody that he could trust in that position who would guide not only the cabinet, but guide him in terms of legal decisions and legal matters that are coming up or may be coming up or things that they'll want to do. And if you don't have that trust in your current person to be able to guide you, who is more or less, you know, attorney general is like a conciliary. If you, if you study the mafia, I know the mafia, conciliary is your trusted, closest advisor to the senior done in the mafia. I'm not saying that, you know, I mean, people may say well, government and politics and mafia is no different, but you need to have that trusted person, that trusted advisor at your ear who will guide you, even when in certain things are happening, you know, away from the cabinet, away from the limelight. If it is that that trust has been lost over time, then the Prime Minister, obviously, because at the end of the day, he is accountable for whatever action the government takes, will want to get somebody in that position that, that he has that trust and confidence in the advice being given. And maybe over time, that was lost, and eventually he took his time to find somebody that he could have that trust in. And, and we saw what happened over the last couple of days. What you thought of, um, Rishi, what you thought of the issue that the, the former Attorney General, Faris al Rabi, um, post his removal, set up a press conference, um, sent it out to the media. The press conference was usually a place at 5.15. Um, the press conference was eventually postponed and cancelled. And then, of course, a media statement was released that indicated, I'm elated, I'm excited, <coughs> and uh, lots of adjectives in that arena about his new position at the Ministry of Local Government. What do you think? What What do you think that was was at play there? Because obviously, obviously, there seemed to be a certain narrative that that the AG was going to pursue, and then double think, double, double thought it, and pulled back, yeah, it's, and or was shut down. Yeah, or was shut down possibly because it's PR. So obviously, he won't now wants to put his fingers. Obviously, you hear Attorney General again. Attorney General is a high office has been now removed from office and, and placed in another ministry. Obviously, you know, he would probably want to get his, his, his words out there before anybody else gets their words out there. So he probably, you know, hurriedly put together some kind of conference and then people eventually whispered in his ear or called him and said, listen, nope, you don't do that. That's a bad idea. At the end of the day, the prime, at the end of the day you are appointed at the pleasure of the prime minister. And the prime minister has the overall responsibility for the appointment of his cabinet. You do not go out there and make a statement as to exactly what may have happened because you're going to get questions. And the questions are probably going to get from the media that why did this happen to you? Did the Prime Minister lost confidence in you? Did you think this had to do with X, Y, and Z? We don't want to go down that rabbit hole and open up, up things that we may not want to discuss or may want to control the message going out there. So at the end of the day, you know, eventually the message got to him. This is the wrong approach. Let whatever questions come, come and the, either the Minister of Communications or the Prime Minister will deal with it. You just put something that says, you know, I was appointed at the Prime Minister's pleasure. I was happy to serve in the office. I now assume the responsibility with the vigor given to me, and I take it. So I, I believe that that's in the end. By taking that, taking that, to, yeah, yeah, taking that, taking the kind of uh, higher approach in terms of dealing yeah. with the issue. Well, that yeah. advice, I assume, would probably have been coming from his mother, Diane Sukran, um, who uh, I assume well, she's a senior politician. You know, she's a senior politician. She understands right, it so, exactly. She understands it, and she, she and because. It, I'm, I'm just thinking that the former AG must have been emotional about it and yeah. in uh, making decisions when you're emotional are not the best. It's not the best approach. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because again, I mean, he was the AG for six years. You know, he may not, he, he they were probably just it's not an emotion. 
the prime minister has reassigned them to another post. But again, like I said, any attorney, senior attorney who gets into government, the, the, the key position they want, aside from prime minister, is attorney general. And to be removed from that position to somewhere else, definitely it is, uh, whatever you want to say, it. I see it as a demotion because it's a position that you hold in high regard in terms of your position. And, you know, again, you know, egos are very fragile things. And people may have feel the ego has been bruised and then they wanted to come and respond to it. So, again, in hindsight, whoever got to him afterwards and said, listen, it's not the right course of action. You don't do this. Instead, do this and pull out this release instead of having a press media conference. It probably in the end served better than anything else. Yeah. Well, has this damaged brand Faris Salari? And part two, what's the opportunity here for Faris Salari? If it's damages brand, I guess we'll wait to see. It all depends on how he wants to take it going forward. Obviously, it has dented his image in terms of, you know, he's no longer the attorney general. So it's up to him to now decide how he wants to respin his brand or whatever position he wants to take in local government. I mean, I, I don't want to belittle local government annual development. It is a key ministry in terms of the service that it provides to the population as a whole. So it's up to him now to decide what story he wants to write with regards to his position in local government and what does he want to do for every every reaction every action has a reaction so it's up to him to decide what reaction and what spin he wants to put in it going forward let's talk about clarence rambarat a bit mm -hmm. and uh, leader of government business in the senate a significant position Minister of Agriculture, Land and Fisheries, and we had a conversation with him yesterday. He said he basically resigned for personal reasons to go be with his family, which I think is the politically correct statesman's answer. <laughs> I don't think... I, I've worked with Mr. Rambarat for the last two years uh, when, since the passing of the late Franklin Khan, uh, and even before that in committees. And I may be totally oblivious, never got the impression he was planning some presentations for uh, weeks to come and so being the coordinator of the bench independent bench and senator mark and i and mr Am former mr Ambert had to have discussions about you know speaking time stuff like that procedural stuff and there was no indication that he wasn't extremely enthused about the future politically so uh, and it's, it's just odd that to me now when you have to take him at his word that he's going to spend more time with his family and have that balance of work life, I think is how you put it. Mm -hmm. uh, what happened there? I'm, I'm, I'm the same as you. I mean, I, I've known him for a while myself. I've done some stuff with him in previous times. And again, there, there was no, I don't think anybody had any indication this was happening. My only explanation would be, again, I, I would take him at, at his word. I don't see him as being the person who will wash any dirty laundry in public. Or come out and we know the pnm is very well known <clears throat> for that for not washing dirty laundries in public i don't see him as being the kind of person who will come and do that so i, I all, all i would say is that you know covid 19 affected different people in different ways and based on the statement i saw from him yesterday obviously you know his family of who is who is very close with i know of and not being able to see them for, for a very long while during the lockdown and the borders being closed and stuff like that you know even if you have Zoom and other ways of communicating digitally, you know, not physically being able to see your family. It affects people in different ways. I know different people have been affected in different ways with, with COVID-19. So, I, again, I, I will have to take him at, at his word unless a, a something else comes up that, you know, over time, 
Giovanni he had a very Google. close working relationship with Faris Al Rawi yeah. in the law. Is it the law review committee? Right. Yeah, that's the LRC. LRC. Legislative review. Right. And yeah. he had a very close working sh- relationship with Faris Al Rawi as Attorney General. So I don't want to start any conspiracies, <laughs> but I mean, the the confluence of events is yeah. curious. Uh, it, curious it is, yes, but un- unless you don't know anything else that I would probably say would be conjecture, would be, you know, hearsay in a court of law. And back and out. It, it, it's just more or less speculation. So again, like I said, I'll have to take him at his word that, you know, things just that just came to an end and, and the pandemic and everything else. And he decided based on his own family decisions and commitment that this was the best time to exit out. Other than that, I haven't heard anything in the public domain. Does this, does this move by the Prime Minister indicate that he acknowledged that his administration was in some sort of crisis? Because there are people who are speculating this. There was event after event. There was the pandemic, which is a very difficult thing to be fair to the Prime Minister, mm-hmm. any Prime Minister around the world. No one, there's no playbook for a pandemic. You're right. But there were questions about the clinical death toll and the management of the pandemic. That is a debatable uh, conversation because nobody has a playbook for this. That's one. But people that need to be held accountable, I agree with that. Two, uh, the issue of the petrochemical closure and the job losses, the economy in Trinidad Tobago. Uh, most recently, the Venezuelan baby that was killed. The Paria fuel diving tragedy. And it just seemed like the administration has, has been facing one crisis after another after another, hitting them bow and stern and tossing the, the ship of state across the ocean in a, in a willy-nilly fashion. Was this tra- um, um, pretty significant move by the Prime Minister an indication that this administration is in crisis? Let me do something drastic. Well, I guess my first response would be, which administration is never in crisis? Because from a time you have seen political office, there is something that's happening that yet you have to deal with. I remember when the UNC came into power in 2010. Uh, I specifically remember this. There was in almost rainstorms and flooding and people's homes and the Prime Minister was in boots walking on body places. All, all governments face crises. At the end of the day, it comes down to how you want to address it, how you want to, to, to move forward. Like I said, I think the Prime Minister in this case is hitting a reset button, acknowledging things were done over the last, I would say, more so two years than anything else. And he wanted now to, to use it as a position to reset his position as, as Prime Minister one, reset his government and his agenda going forward as two, because obviously the legislative agenda drives a lot of what the government does, and wanting to reset himself internally, and then using that as now the bedrock or the baseline to which you deal with local government elections coming up in early next year, and then the general election Tobago coming up after that. So for me, all governments face crises, and again, the prime minister is probably looking now to reset and put himself in a position or put his government in a position where they can now come forward out of, because that's the talk for every government all over the place now. How do we have come out of this pandemic, given mm. the issues we are facing as a country, both locally that are of our own doing, are things we have control over, and then internationally, because there are things affecting the economy and the country we have no control over. And I think yeah, absolutely. Know, to set a reset, reset button to say, okay, listen, we now have a new attorney general. He's also made other significant changes that I think nobody has spoken about. Penelope Beckles going to plan and development. Plan and development drives the Division 2030 and the whole development agenda of, of the country going forward. We have 
former Camilo Robinson wages now going across the housing and development. So apart from the AG, which everybody's thinking about, you know. Well, you know, we touched on that yesterday. We touched on those issues yesterday. But before we get to Camille and uh, and Penelope uh, Beckles Robinson swapping ministries, so to speak, you have the issue of Kazim Hussein, who was the Minister of Local Government. He's been replaced by the AG. Um, so you're not so sure if that is a commentary on his competencies in that ministry, but it seems not to be because the 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 Prime Minister made a sort of lateral transfer to the Ministry of Agriculture, which is also an important ministry. Um, and of course, probably very important in light of what's taking place in Ukraine and Russia and the, the effect on the global food market and and how much and how quickly can Trinidad and Tobago um, you know, reduce its food import bill or look at its food security through the lens of what's happening globally. Do you think that Kazim Hussain is the appropriate person to put in that, in that ministry? At the end of the day, whichever minister you, you put in, within a ministry, it, it all comes down to the leadership style of how they go about to lead it. Because at the end of the ministries already have their set agendas and policies and budgetary allocations and things that they want to work on. Any minister now come into a ministry now, the first thing they want to do is get the understanding of what's going on. What's your what's your raison death? What are the main things you're working on? Everybody is now going to be you. you I'm sure you've you have done this many times, which when a new minister comes on, you have to prepare your brief now to be able to meet with the minister and present to the minister exactly what's going on, what you're doing, and what the ministry is doing. And then based on that, the minister, he comes now with the government's agenda. Again, we don't know what the Prime Minister may have told him that you now have a, a key important role coming from local government and rural development. Knowing that scenario and knowing from a grassroots what's going on in, in that area, now take that skill set to agriculture and try to see how best as possible we can move towards, like you mentioned, the serious question of, of food import bill, the billions of dollars we spend on food import bill and trying to make ourselves sustainable. It's not an overnight job. It's not going to happen within two years or three years. But, but it's something you know, but again, it's something that we've discussed for decades and yeah well so it's not it's not a new conversation that diversification public sector reform you know those are the key things we, we talk over and over and over and nothing really changes so what do you think accounted for the swap between camille and penelope that one i'm i'm i'm, I'm not sure as, as to why 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 this swap took place i i, I haven't seen anything of, of of bad between both of them Unless it's 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 a swap in terms of Penelope Beckles at, at the housing at, at the Ministry of Housing now plan and development maybe has a more he sees her having more of a, a, a high level role in terms of overseeing the development agenda and pushing that forward, and then um, Camille Robinson is having form under because actually under plan development was strong on country. And town country plays a significant part in, in housing and all those different things in terms of approval. So probably now under, using that understanding of that ministry in particular, that sector now going to the Ministry of Housing to try to accelerate the housing development programs and all those things. So I, I think it's, it's a swap of probably trying to get competence in terms of the expertise one way or the other and now bringing that expertise and that understanding from another ministry that may have significance to, you know both sides and probably using that as a skill set to be able to drive Camille from a planning point of view and having that holistic picture driving housing to, to one way and then similarly from housing to planning and, and, and driving that from a national agenda going forward so it's interesting to see how, how that plays out but it's also interesting it just occurred to me that 
community of Winston Regis also played a significant role in the GSC, local government reform. Right. So if, if, if the strategy is really to make a significant inroad in the upcoming local government election, putting Farah Selvari and Camilo Robinson, which is, because as you said, uh, uh, town and country and all of that will play a role in, in, in local government. And it, it may also be an indication of the, the government really has to do a lot of work in the next three years if they are to retain a third term in office, given the kinds of crises that they've faced and the unlikelihood of any administration getting three terms in terms of uh, the probabilities of that in the present context. We've not seen that for decades. Am I wrong? No, we haven't. Seen it, that it's very decades, difficult exactly. to get three terms. They yeah. got two terms to their credit. And it's very difficult to get three terms. And you're going against the green now more and more uphill in that battle. Yeah. So I think, like I said, it, it's, it's for me, the Prime Minister, again, it, it, it's a reset button. Reset probably in terms of his own central legislative and making, having a, a council of silk as attorney general to guide him through from that point of view. And as you mentioned, given Camille's you know, input in local government reform, which again is a topic we've been discussing for, for decades, and you know, given her, given her background, understanding to our country, understanding, like you said, she part, was part of the, the, the GLC on local government, coming into housing, and then together with that, with because you have to remember, you know, the Faris Alwari was also an alderman, if I remember correctly, in the Paul of Spain Corporation. And then he started off as being a, a legal counsel to the Tunapuna Regional Corporation at some time, if I remember also, if my recollection is correct. So he does have some history and understanding of local government. So not to say that he, you know, he's, he's just dumped in there for being dumb sick. He does have a, a history of being in local government and being part of it. So again, it, it may be a wider strategy. And I think we it's commonly heard... also, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. uh, Lionel Sukaran may have been involved in his, his grandfather may have been all the money if i'm if my memory is working right. properly and, and and again the one person i guess we haven't heard from i haven't heard anything coming out of would be the prime minister so we will we, wait i guess to see with bated breath on yeah, well, does he was an explanation of population i think he does at the end of the day we shuffle is not a simple thing and any we shuffle especially we shuffle of key ministries or key agencies and the attorney general being key i think there needs to be some sort of I won't say explanation, but he has to be able to, to to state to people, okay, this is why I made this decision, and this is this is the way going forward. Obviously, you know, it may be spin in terms of trying to spin it in a different light using local government reform and all those things. We know how politicians are, but he deserves at least to come out and, and make some comment as to exactly why he took the decisions that he took in terms of appointing. Regional Amor SC as his attorney general and moving Farah Salwari to local government. So how much of this is Dr. Ro- about see... Dr. Raleigh's legacy? Sorry to interrupt. Because yeah. Dr. Raleigh is, it, it, by some people's estimations, is going back up for the PNM leadership, but may not be the next, if the, if the PNM uh, gets back in power for a third term. Because Dr. Roddy is what seventy-two thereabouts, and right. then he had said yeah. there had been some suggestion that he was done after this, <laughs> you know. But and and any prime minister who served two terms wants to have something people can say he did this. Mr. Manning changed the, the skyline in the city. Mr. Manning gave us Napa. Mr. Manning gave us Vision Twenty Twenty and accomplished some of it. So Dr. Roddy, in his at his age and in his position the, the, the pace he's in his political career must be thinking of legacy and and what can he say i have accomplished 
so far. Well, Afghanistan, the country through a pandemic, yes. But in terms of something that the country could say, oh, Dr. Keith Rowley did X. Is this part of that contemplation? Local government reform, maybe? Maybe. I, I don't see this being a, a significant part of his legacy. Again, there are people want to be remembered for, for grand things and doing great things to the country. And the, and the legacy and history, that, that comes after the fact. So I think, again, like I said, he's probably trying to, to position himself and maybe position the party. Because who knows, if, if, the, if the PNM somehow obtains a, a third successive uh, victory in the election and becomes prime minister, maybe now the time becomes, how do we now begin to succession and move away from me and, and get somebody else in place? So again, these are different things and different scenarios that, that are playing out. And we just wait to see exactly. I think his main goals right now are 2023 local government elections, trying to see exactly where his, where his party is from a base point of view and setting the avenue up for 2025, because that time is going to come around very quickly. We're done in 2020, we're done in almost end of March in yeah. 2022. So time is flying and time is moving and politics time waits on no one. So I think they're now laying the groundwork, I think, for what has to happen post-pandemic in terms of putting the party in a good light for the next couple elections that have to come about. I think that's the main reason for what he's doing, what's happening now. And after that, if he does win a third term, then the legacy question comes up as exactly what he wants to leave as his people remembering him for. Rishi, in terms of the, the cabinet reshuffle, were there any ministerial portfolios that you were surprised that they kept their portfolio in such a major reshuffle? I think the one major surprise everybody had was probably the Minister of National Security. Uh, in terms of uh, Gerald Hines and... Uh, people having questions about him, tenureship, and of course the Police Service Commission and Gary Griffith and all those things that happened. So I think that's that, that one maybe, maybe surprised a lot of people that I saw in the comments, especially on social media, once it was happened, everybody put it, and, and is he still there as Minister of National Security? He hasn't been moved. So I think for, for many people, that was a, a surprise. I mean, I think many people will be looking for him to change his Minister of National Security. Uh, are there opportunities for the opposition here? Uh, when the opposition was in power and under Mrs. Passat Bissessa and all those are completely different circumstances and then Attorney General Anna Logan was fired basically because of allegations or, 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 or suggestions, the PNM capitalized on it. This is not a firing. This is a demotion of an attorney general. But still, mm -hmm. moving your attorney general, as we've discussed over and over, is significant for any administration. Yeah. Is, are, are there political opportunities here for the opposition? There are always political opportunities for the opposition to, to stand upon. We've already seen them starting to come out and hit. So we saw, first of all, the question, Mr. Moore's dual citizenship, being that he was born in Dominica, and now that he's here. And then I saw coming out of the press conference questions about the legislative briefs and the monies that he would have gotten while he was in private practice from the attorney general, the close relationship between him and the attorney general in terms of properties that have been owned. So already they're starting to capitalize on it and they will start to capitalize on any little chink in the armor that comes out with regards to these appointments. So it is going to happen. They are going to play it out. They're probably going to bring out discussions again in parliament today if they meet in parliament and bring these things out. So they are going to try to capitalize on it. Again, it's up to the, the Prime Minister and the government to be able to address those things. So I think that's where if the Prime Minister has the ability today, if they're meeting today, to come out and address and, you know, take front before front takes him, 
and put it out in the agenda, then it, it may mute it. But the, the opposition will always, at any point in time, look for any little area that they can hold on to and drag it out as a main con controversy. Hmm. Quite interesting. Where, where does Mr. Harari sit in the House of Representatives now? Uh, well, I guess you wait for the, 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 <laughs> the leader of, of government business in the House to determine that. I know he was normally very, I think it was Camille, the Prime Minister, him, and then it was Colin Milbert afterwards. So I guess but now, now the, the, the present AG now will sit in the Senate. Exactly. So because he's it, a senator. See. So unless, of course, he comes to, to, to debate but in the House. The AG so traverses both wait, houses yeah. regularly. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, that's up to the leader of government business. I guess you wait to see the leader of government business. Thus, today, again, the other question now becomes who also becomes the leader of our government business in the Senate? With Mr. Rambrandt, you know, no longer there. As I suggested, the, the person who acted person. for Mr. Rambrandt regularly was Mrs. Gopi Schoon, Minister Gopi Schoon, right. when Mr. Yeah. Rambrandt was either out of the chamber or out of the country or, or unavailable for a particular uh, period in the sitting. So we'll see. I guess that, that yeah, will be so, identified. So, yeah. so we all wait to see between today and Tuesday actually what plays out in those things in, in the Parliament. <laughs> Tuesday going to be hot. Anything else we missed out, Rishi? Or did we grill, every, grill everything out of you? I think you would have asked any questions <laughs> you wanted to ask, you know? It is uh, interesting. Time. At the end of the day, all I say, it, it is interesting times in the country. It's never dull in politics in the country or in any, any part of the world. So I think it's all about now, you know, yes, these things happen, but at the end of the day, the government has a role to play and has a function to play. And at the end of the day, people want to see benefit. And they want to see them live, their lives getting better. We know the country is not in a, in a good place, you know, for different reasons. And the people just want to see the country going forward and their lives being better. Once people can see their lives being better, then, you know, they, 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 they will, you know, the politics is the politics, but at the end of the day, you have to get down to the people's business. I think at the end of the day, that, that's what the normal man on the street wants to see. They don't care who's attorney general, who's minister of this. They want to see benefits to them li their lives going forward. And politicians want a particular narrative. And, and they want to run with their narratives, and politicians always talk, always, uh, as, as a, and I guess the only the thing I will probably end with is today is also a very sad day, at least for me, in that we have, I think today's the funeral of Professor Ryan, yeah. uh, Selwyn Ryan, who passed away, was my former lecturer in UWE uh, when I did my postgrad and master's in UWE. Uh, I, I have great fond memories of him. I remember, I think I, I failed one exam by one point and I had an oral with him and I went to the oral after the oral was done. He told me, why, why, how come you fail the exam by one point? I mean, you know everything. And he, he, was, a, he was a great guy. Uh, he wrote great books about the, the political history of the country and, and all those things. Tackled serious subjects like race and ethnicity and politics and, and different things. So at least if we switch away from the politics to that, I think yeah, today is, is a sad day as, as we mourn the passing of, a, for me, one, one, of the, one of the good lecturers, at least I had in the political science department in, in UWE. I've read his book, Youth at Risk, well, the, 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 the report, and I just he yeah. was brilliant academically and intellectually, and he certainly made a contribution to this country that we, we owe him a great debt of gratitude. So yeah. condolences to you and his family, and thank you for being with us, Rishi. No problem. Thanks a lot for having me. All right. Thank you, Rishi. Of course, that was Rishi Maharaj. Recording stopped. Thank you, Dorothy. Political analyst being on our show this morning. All right. We get up towards our 8 o'clock news brief. 
and that's all courtesy Chamfle Auto Services. I'll take a look at what's happening traffic-wise. And starting down in San Fernando, the creek is a bit heavy. Most of the routes in San Fernando are heavy at this time. The Golaconda Connector Road coming out to Duncan Village. Um, San Fernando Bypass actually is not as bad as it usually is. It's a lot lighter. Coming out of Harmony Hall, you got some traffic there. Rivulet Road in Coover. Yep, top to bottom heavy. And then on the solo, heading towards Edinburgh, you've got traffic leaving Coover. Uh, taking the southern main road to Chase Village. Yep, you got some traffic there. All right, and pretty much after Monroe Road, you're going to get some traffic heading northbound. Uh, Churchill Roosevelt Highway, heavy again. Um, going from Piaco towards UE and just... Um, by the Arangways overpass, you'll step on your brake. Eastern Main Road, Associated Streets, all busy as well. Heavy out of Maraval from Mocha all the way down to the roundabout. Thank you for choosing Power 102 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.